Ladies and gentlemen, sports fans alike, welcome to another edition of Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. One of the couple, two, three best podcasts around. So sit back, grab yourself a cold one and a pole of sausage, park your keister in the front room, and listen to Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. In Chicago, you know that all sports rock. The Bears, Hawks, Bulls, Cubs, and Sox. Pick your favorite, you can choose as long as the Packers lose. For everything you need to know, it's Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. This is your host, Alex. Our brave leader, Sean, could not be here this week. He is out of town, so I will be fulfilling the duties by myself again. Last week, it was just Sean. This week, it's just me. So hopefully next week, we'll have both of us back in the studio, quote-unquote, a.k.a. both our houses, again. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, the Rockford Ice Hogs. If you're not familiar with the Rockford Ice Hogs, they are the AHL minor league affiliate of your Chicago Blackhawks. What does that mean for you? You get to see the stars of tomorrow today at family-friendly, affordable prices. Be sure to head over to icehogs.com, get yourself some hats, shirts, jerseys, tickets for next year, and more. Tell them Swirsky Sports sent you. Okay, so we have a pretty full show on the docket. There's plenty to discuss right now. We... I think we have to talk about one of the elephants in the room first. Um, something that, you know, I, I don't like getting off to bad or sad or unfortunate starts to shows, but considering the seriousness of it and consider the relevancy of it, I feel like we do have to somewhat start out on a sour note, unfortunately, but I feel like it just, it has to be said. We've talked about this on the show before, and I'm sure Sean might have mentioned it last week. I, I'm not completely sure, so forgive me if I'm wrong on that, but You know, as we've gone on, more and more information about this certain subject has come to light, and the more we hear about it, the more disturbing it is. And that is the situation that the Blackhawks are in the middle of right now. And for those who may not know the latest details, I can sum it up really quickly um, with what happened during the 2010 playoffs when two players accused accused then-video coach Bradley Aldrich of sexual assault. And more details come out, the worse it gets. The players made the team aware of it. The whole team knew about it. One of the assistant coaches, Tom Torchetti, he was there from 07 through the Stanley Cup season. Uh, He was informed about it. And when this matter was brought to the higher-ups of the Blackhawks, including James Gary, team psychologist, President John McDonough, and general manager Stan Bowman. They did not file this with the police. It was more or less swept under the rug. And now we're getting more details about this 11 years later. So... Even if you cover it up for a while, it's going to come out eventually, and it has. The Blackhawks are currently facing two lawsuits over the Aldrich incident. And by the way, Aldrich, who had moved on from the Blackhawks after 2010, uh, was given a letter of recommendation by the Blackhawks um, for his next gig, which included coaching youth. And since then, he has faced charges and has been involved in other incidents involving sexual assault. I'm not going to go into many details about that. Just, you know, it's not not something I particularly want to go into details of. But if you want to go into details of it, I do suggest looking it up just because this is a very serious matter. And I do feel like the more people are aware, the more security there may be in the future to prevent this kind of thing from happening. So... Aldrich pleaded uh, guilty to criminal assault in 2013. This was after he left. This was after the letter of recommendation. So this clearly isn't something that this guy has done once. 
with these two Blackhawks players who remain anonymous. Uh, it's happened multiple times with this guy, but it happened with the Blackhawks under their watch, and it was more or less swept under the rug from what we're seeing. And the NHL claims they've been in contact with the club, but there's no ongoing investigation. This was reported by Rick Westhead a few days ago, back on the 25th. Even former Blackhawk Brent Sopel called it out, called out the league, saying that something's got to be done, they should be in jail. So, the Blackhawks could be in very big trouble here. And this isn't something that I don't think anybody can excuse. And as a lifelong Blackhawks fan, I just, I sit here just so dang ashamed and disappointed that this happened. I just... I just can't fathom what those players had gone through. I mean, you read the details on it, and it's it's just awful. It's awful. You can't put it into words. And the Blackhawks... Could have handled it by reporting to the police and firing Brad Aldrich. If you would have done that and you would have shown that, you know, you were ready to take on this issue and not sweep it under the rug, things are completely different. But that's not the case. Now the Blackhawks are facing two lawsuits. But regardless of how this ends, and look, it could end with a big settlement. A big, big settlement. That could very well happen with this lawsuit. Even if that does, Blackhawks ownership has to do something because there are still people who are employed on this team that were involved in this. You can't just pretend, even if, the, even if this does end in a settlement, you can't just pretend this didn't happen. You can't sit there and say, well, we settled it, that's the end of that, let's just keep moving. You can't do that. You can't pretend it didn't happen. There needs to be severe consequences for those involved. This is very serious stuff. And every passing year, we learn more and more of just disgusting sex scandals that happen around sports. Not just hockey. Happens everywhere. Penn State... Michigan, I mean, you can name so many different sports entities this has happened. And the sad part of this all is realizing the probable fact that throughout time, this stuff has probably happened more often than we think. Some will never know about, some will never hear about, some might come out eventually, but my whole point in saying this is, is that sports needs to further cracking down and preventing this kind of thing from happening. Someone reports something, report it to the authorities or the appropriate people right away. Don't sweep it under the rug. Listen to the victims. Don't ignore them. Don't ignore their cries for help. Don't ignore their requests. You got to take some sort of action on it. You can't let this keep happening. The league has to step in. The, not only did this happen under the Blackhawks' watch, it's happening under the league's watch. So, you gotta do it. You gotta make sure that this gets handled appropriately. If this means people are going to have to lose their jobs, so be it. We'll see how this plays out. That's all I really have on that matter right now. So we're going to move on. We're going to talk a little Bears football. Because football is always fun to talk about in late June, right? Well, I think a lot of Bears fans right now are feeling pretty good about things. For multiple reasons. Even though we haven't hit preseason yet, we haven't seen the team play 
outside OTAs, which we don't really get to see much of that. But I mean, just with the excitement outside of Justin Fields and seeing the work ethic, seeing really promising things that we've just wanted to see for so long. But the other thing that I know Sean talked about this week, I just want to give my two cents on it. And I know I've given my two cents on episodes previous, but um, you know, I, I really want to talk about this now because it's more relevant than ever. But you know, this this Arlington Heights thing feels more real by the day. That there actually can be a day in the near future that we see the Chicago Bears play out in the suburbs in a nice state-of-the-art stadium not a spaceship that landed within the old confines of Soldier Field and not an absolute parking nightmare next to the Field Museum on the lakefront. Surprising to no one, Mike Dicka doesn't like the idea. He thinks uh, the Bears belong in Chicago, not the suburbs. And I know there are some other fans who might feel the same way, that they belong in the city, not the suburbs. They don't want the Arlington Heights Bears. They're the Chicago Bears. Look... There are plenty of sports teams associated with the city that don't play in the city limits. They they play in the suburbs. They play just outside the city limits. They're going to be the Chicago Bears no matter what. They're not going to change their name to the Arlington Heights Bears. They would just play in Arlington Heights. And for those who have never seen the racetrack in Arlington, the land that they are bidding for, the racetrack that is closing, let me tell you something. That land is huge huge it is massive there is room for not only a stadium but plenty of parking and maybe a few other things too the ironic thing about Mike Dicka not wanting the Bears to move is that Dicka's restaurant actually used to be right on those grounds it was right next to the track right right there it's not there anymore I think it just closed a few years ago but it was there for a while so You got prime real estate right there. Right there in the suburbs. Just imagine a state-of-the-art, beautiful stadium that the Bears could actually own, not rent, where you could have state-of-the-art turf, whether it be artificial, real, or hybrid. You can have domes and retractable roofs. And let let me ask a really quick question to the whole bear weather thing that some people seem to like. What has that done for the Bears exactly? What has Bear Weather done? They haven't won a Super Bowl since 85. They've only been to one Super Bowl since then. What advantage does Bear Weather play for the team? It doesn't. And especially with that awful Soldier Field turf that's taken care of by the Park District, it just it increases the chances of injuries. And let me ask you this as well. Do you as a fan, it looks cool on TV, I won't deny, but do you as a fan at the stadium, you're at Soldier Field, you're sitting high up in the nosebleeds, heck, even if you're sitting up somewhat up close, do you enjoy 20 and below degree weather with snow and ice blowing on you? Do you like sitting in that through hours and hours and hours? If you do, bless you, honestly, bless you. I personally don't. So you play indoors, so what? You can have the roof open early on. You want to get the sunshine in. Football in Chicago is nice in the fall. It's crisp, but it's not too cold. But once you hit late November and December, when the ice and the snow, I mean, I mean, is that really that important of a tradition? Wouldn't you much rather have a nice, beautiful stadium with more amenities, and hopefully a good team. If they can move in Arlington Heights, Justin Fields is, you know, has taken them to Super Bowls and whatnot. Are you really going to miss bear weather? Are you really? I, I just, I want to see the team win and win in a nice stadium. A stadium in which you could host many things which can benefit the city and the community around it. You have an indoor stadium or a retractable roof? You can finally host that Super Bowl you've wanted. You could host Big Ten or other NCAA stuff. You could host a lot of things. 
Look at Lucas Oil. Look at all the stuff they host over there, including Super Bowls. Same thing with New Orleans, the Superdome. They've had plenty of Super Bowls there, including the one the Bears won in 85. Wouldn't it be cool to have a Super Bowl in this city? And wouldn't it be even cooler if the Bears were in the Super Bowl and they played it in this city? I know it's only happened once where the team actually has home field advantage, which was this past year. I'm just saying, wouldn't that be cool? Even if the Bears aren't in it. To say, yeah, the Super Bowl is here in Chicago. You want to go to the Super Bowl? The biggest sporting event in the United States? Hey, right here in Chicago. Wouldn't that be awesome? I think it would be. I know my buddy lives out in Arlington Heights, and he's not totally thrilled about the idea because he's worried about traffic, but, um, you, you know, if they can make it work in the right in the right way, then, you know, maybe it won't be so bad for the neighbors right around there. I just think a lot of people would enjoy it. And frankly, I think less and less people want to deal with coming in the city. The highways are always under construction. Things get really clogged up. More and more people want out of the city and into the suburbs. So why not have a team out there? Why not have the Bears out there? I'm all for it. I am, I am praying that this happens. Give me a Lucas Oil. Give me a Ford Field. Give me the stadium wherever the Cardinals play in Arizona. Give me the SoFi Stadium. I won't miss Soldier Field. This indeed, ha- I, I won't miss Soldier Field. To no surprise, Lori Lightfoot doesn't want to see them go. And again, no surprise. But I do. And I wouldn't think of them any less than the Chicago Bears. They're still the Chicago Bears. Giants and Jets playing Jersey, for goodness sake. Does anyone call them the Jersey Giants or the Jersey Jets? A lot of sports teams don't play in the city limits. Not these days. To me, it makes no difference. I mean, if you played in Springfield, okay. If you you played in Rockford, then I could see why that might conflict with the name. But you're within the Chicagoland area. To me, they're still the Chicago Bears. Suburbs are just part of the whole area. So give me that. Just give me that new stadium. Win the bid. Build the stadium. I I understand. I understand that this is going to be a very long process. That we're not going to just wake up one day and there's going to be a new stadium. It's going to take a long time for this to happen. And and I believe the the contract with Soldier Field goes through the 2030s. Now, I don't know exactly what the timing would potentially look like for all this, but, you know, it's, it's going to be a while before they would actually play in a new stadium if this is even put into place. But if I get to say, I know that we're going to get a much nicer stadium. Knowing that that is going to happen at some point. That alone is good for me, even if I know if I have to wait. You know, Lori Lightfoot did not hold back on spitting some fire. Towards this whole thing. She said, quote, The Bears are locked into a lease at Soldier Field until 2033. In addition, this announcement from the Bears comes in the midst of negotiations for improvement at Soldier Field. This is clearly a negotiating tactic that the Bears have used before. As a season ticket holder and longtime Bears fan, I am committed to keeping the Chicago name in front of our football team. And like most Bears fans, we want the organization to focus on putting a winning team on the field beating the Packers finally, and being relevant past October. Everything else is noise. I'll tell you, she ain't wrong about those last few things. All I want is a winning team. 
and to be relevant past October and to finally beat the Packers. I won't disagree with you there. But, oh, I want this new stadium so bad. I want it. So we'll see what happens with this. Doesn't um, seem set in stone. You know, Ted Phillips said, It's our obligation to explore every possible option to ensure we're doing what's best for our organization and its future. If selected, this step allows us to further evaluate the property and its potential. So, you know, I, I truly believe they are considering this. I truly do. But we're just going to have to see what happens. All right, so moving on, we're going to talk a little baseball here because there's a lot of interesting things going on. Some good, some not so good. There's a lot of not so good. But, um, you know, there's, there's always plenty to talk about when the White Sox and Cubs are playing. So we'll start with the White Sox first. Uh, right now, we're recording this on Sunday the 27th. They are playing a, I guess you could call it a doubleheader against the Mariners. They had to make up the suspended game. From Saturday, which got rained out in like the third inning, and then they played the regular scheduled game right after that. The Mariners took the first game three to two. Uh, the Mariners took the series from the Sox, but the Sox look like they are going to be avoiding a sweep. Um, as of right now, they're up pretty big, so hopefully there they'll avoid that sweep. Um, unfortunate news with them is the injuries just keep piling up in the first game. We had Jose Abreu get hit on the knee. It looked really, really painful. And I think White Sox fans have seen well enough of injuries this year because there have been a lot of them. They just keep piling up. And you hate to see it to their biggest guys. And this was just one of those freak accidents. Uh, Says he's day-to-day. According to the White Sox Twitter, x-rays were negative for fracture, so that's good. But, you know, with knee injuries, those can linger a little bit. Even if he's on the field, he still might feel a little soreness. So you hope he doesn't miss too much time that he can get back um, on the field. Because they really, really cannot afford any more injuries that they already have. 96-mile-an-hour fastball just makes you cringe watching it. You already have... Eloy, who got hurt in the preseason, though he may be coming back fairly soon. I mean, right now, the timetable is obviously not in a few weeks, but he can start baseball activity, it's my understanding, fairly soon. So hopefully he comes back. He lost Magical for the year. Roberts out. You don't want to lose Jose Abreu for too long. Just so many injuries piling up. You can't afford any more major ones. So let's hope that Abreu gets healthy really, really soon. You never want to see that happen. But you're going to have to go out and get some reinforcements. You're still probably going to win this division hands down. But you want to prepare for the long run. You're going to need to get some more guys. You don't want to see Jake Lamb out there every day. You don't want to see Goodwin out there every day. Uh, You don't have Kopech or Angle or Eaton either, even though Eaton has been pretty bad, awful this year. He's been just dog crap this year. Um, But you have a lot of AAA players you're trying to fill gaps in, and eventually you're just going to have to get some guys, some real guys, some guys that have big league experience. But it looks like there could be some reinforcements on the way. It sounds like the talks with the Diamondbacks to get Eduardo Escobar pretty serious. And the Diamondbacks are obviously going to be sellers because they are just a god-awful dog-turd team. But Eduardo Escobar, I think, could fit the Sox decently well. He's versatile. He could play all over the infield. He's got a little bit of pop, too. So, looking at his slash this year, 254, 300, 484, 784 OPS. He's got 17 bombs already, 51 RBI. So, the guy can hit for some power. And the White Sox need some power. 
I mean, a lot of their power is hurt, so you can't blame that. But Yohan Mankata hasn't been, I mean, it's not to say he hasn't been hitting. He just hasn't been hitting for much power. Tim Anderson hasn't been hitting for very much power. And right now, your big power bat is Abreu, and hopefully he's not hurt too long. And Andrew Vaughn is trying to adjust to big league pitching as he is. Still think he should have stayed in the minors this year, at least to start. But, you know, that's that's just me. Anyway, um, Eduardo Escobar. I, I see the fit. The guy's had multiple seasons of 20-plus homers. He had a career-high 23 homers in 2018. He hit, oh, I'm sorry, he hit 35 home runs in 2019. That was his career high with Arizona. So, yeah, 2019, 35 homers. He hit four last year, but that was a weird season, so whatever. So, from 2017 through 2019, he's hit 79 home runs. So, if you're looking for a guy that could slug it out of the ballpark and play multiple positions, Eduardo Escobar makes a lot of sense. So I think that'd be a good get for the White Sox. Indeed, that does go through. And there are multiple reports saying that the trade is going to happen. I saw one by NBC Chicago. I don't see any confirmation, but I'd be surprised if this trade doesn't happen. So if Eduardo Escobar is indeed going to the White Sox, I think that's a pretty good get. Um, You need some power in there. Uh, Other White Sox news. They had a rough week. It's inevitable that you're going to run into a rough stretch. And the White Sox had been rolling for so long. So they were due for a slump. Unfortunately, it's kind of elevated by the fact that you're getting more and more injured by the day. So you start to worry. It's like, well, we can't keep up that pace we're at before at any point if we have all these injuries and we don't do much about it. But... If you could get some reinforcements in here, kind of stabilize yourselves, you know, I still think they're okay. I think the White Sox were just bound to hit a rough patch, and it just doesn't help that they've had injuries. But I also think this rough patch is a great way to say, you know what, there are some clear holes we have to fix. The defense simply has to be better, and unfortunately, the bullpen has not been all that great. Liam Hendricks has figured it out, but you've had a number of guys scuffle, Garrett Crochet lately has struggled a bit. He had a really rough outing in Pittsburgh. And then against the Mariners, he walked a lot of guys. Uh, The velocity isn't there. That's the really troubling thing is if he doesn't have velocity, then there ain't much there. He relies on that velocity. He's kind of a Chapman-like, at least from what I've seen of him. So you don't want to see the dip in velocity. And you've seen other guys in the bullpen struggle So, you know, that might be a way to say, hey, Rick Hahn, we're going to need some reinforcements in the bullpen, whether it's calling up guys, making a trade or two, which I'm sure they will. I'm sure towards the deadline, they will get bullpen help. It it would only make sense that they would. So use this little rough patch as a way to kind of better yourself. I don't think the Indians are catching you. Certainly no one else in the AL Central is catching you this year. So just use this rough stretch to make yourself better for the long run. It it makes it a lot tougher with the injuries. But if you can kind of patchwork things and then get healthy by the end of the season, then you can still win the pennant. I still think they're going to win the pennant. The starting pitching staff is overall very, very good. Lance Lynn, still very good. Giolito, very solid. Carlos Rodon, one of the best pitchers in the American League. Dylan Cease has shown a few cracks, but I still think the stuff is good enough for him to rebound. I've always been very high on him, even when he was a prospect with the Cubs. He might have to make a few adjustments here or there, maybe create a little more deception, but I still think he's got the stuff to be good. And, you know, you got Dallas Keuchel in there as well, an experienced veteran who has won before. So as long as that starting rotation is healthy and you can get a little more pop in your lineup, maybe get a little bullpen reinforcement here or there, White Sox are going to be fine. I would also say clean up the defense. 
Um, I don't know that's going to necessarily happen, if it's easy or not, but you just can't be making big errors in big moments, and we've seen that multiple times this season. They could clean that up a little bit, then they're really okay. So that's kind of my spiel on the White Sox. We'll kind of see how things go as we go forward. Then there's my team on the north side. This could get bad. The course of this season could rely on the next few days. Things were looking fine and dandy on Thursday night when the Cubs threw a combined no-hitter. You had Zach Davies, Ryan Tapera, Andrew Chafin, and Craig Kimbrell not give up a single hit in nine innings in a 4-0 win against the Dodgers. That was fun. It was great. A lot of people were shitting on it, and I don't get why. Baseball fans say all the time how baseball is supposed to be fun, and then something fun happens, and everyone's all, oh, I'm not a legit no-hitter. Just have fun with it. It wasn't the best pitch game. They walked eight guys, which is crazy to think. The Dodgers got no hit, but they still had eight base runners. And you needed some of your defense to prevent hits, including Wilson Gutierrez behind the plate, which, by the way, congratulations to him on finally catching a no-hitter. He saw pretty much every catcher around him do it. He saw David Ross do it. He saw Victor Caratini do it. When he was in the minors, uh, Miguel Montero did it for Jake Arrieta. He finally got to catch one. Not the traditional no-hitter thrown by one guy, but he finally got to catch one. But ever since then, uh, this series has not gone well. This series has gone to hell fast. And I do not for the life of me understand why the umpires did not review that Jason Hayward home run. Because it looked like a fair ball. It looked like that was going out. And it was out. They didn't even review it. What's the purpose of having instant replay and reviewing plays if you're not going to do it? The whole reason that they first implemented this was to review home runs. That's what replay was originally there for. So you're not going to review it. And that felt like that cost the Cubs the game. I won't excuse them for not hitting much, but say they're up 3-2 to two and you have to pair a Chafin and Kimbrell pitching. With Kimbrell pitching the ninth, right now it's hard for me imagining him giving up a run. They could have won that game 3-2. to two. Meanwhile, the Milwaukee Brewers sweep the miserable and terrible Colorado Rockies. And the Cubs right now, as we're recording Sunday night, are getting their asses handed to. They're going to be three and a half back. And guess who they have to play? Milwaukee. In Milwaukee. Against their top arms. This could very well be the season. Because we're getting into July. One month from now, we're going to be buying or selling. And if they fall behind five and a half games back, you're going to make up that by the trade deadline? I don't think they will. I think this team is being exposed. They had a great month of May. It was never going to sustain. I give them credit for winning a season series against the Dodgers and the Padres and playing some very good baseball. But eventually, things are going to catch up. The rotation as it is, is not a postseason rotation. The hitting is way too inconsistent. Chris Bryant wasn't going to be hitting the way he was all year. The man has had a great year, but he's hit a slump. He made some adjustments. Naturally, the pitchers are going to make adjustments. He has to adjust back. I mean, there's good news that Nico Horner and Matt Dovey could be back. He gets some of your two big contact guys coming back. And then you have the bullpen, which still continues to be lights out. But when you have an inconsistent offense like this, with a lot of guys in slumps, Baez has been terrible. Contreras has hit a few home runs, but outside that has not been hitting all that great. Bryant's been in the slump. Hap is not hitting like he was last year. 
Jason Hayward, before this little hit streak here in LA, really been struggling. You don't have a backup catcher. What happens if you get swept or lose two out of three in Milwaukee? You've dug yourself a hole and not much time to get out of it before the deadline. Jed Hoyer has got some big decisions to make very quickly. If selling cannot be off the table, it should not be. That would be foolish. That would be irresponsible to say, we're just not going to sell no matter what the circumstances is. If you're really five games out and you're coming up to the deadline with the many holes you have to patch up, knowing that you are going to have to get at least another starter, maybe another position player that can make contact, or two, a backup catcher, and you want to preserve as many assets as you can for the future, you got to have everything on the table right now. And you got to be ready to pull a trigger on one thing or the other come trade deadline. The last thing you can do is stand pat. You got to pick a lane. Now, normally, you wouldn't panic too much about a late June, early July series. We've seen teams come back from big deficits before. There's many months left. But you have to do something by the trade deadline because your core is all under contract only through the end of this year. If they each had a year left, then it'd be much easier to say, you know what, we might be six back, but we're still going to go for it. Okay, that ain't the case. You either have to start a rebuild or try to have one last dance with this core knowing that you're probably not going to get all three back. You may get one back, you might get two, you're not going to get three. So what do you do? Well, you have to buy if you want to be a legitimate contender. If you want to play 50-50 coin flip, I think the only way you can do that is maybe sell off one or two pieces, but not necessarily tear the whole thing down. For example, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but Craig Kimball right now is the goldmine piece on the Cubs, outside maybe Chris Bryant. Every team is going to be looking to add big-time relief help. And by I mean every team, I mean every contending team. Even if you have a closer and you have a chance to get more lockdown guys in your bullpen, the way baseball is played today, where the bullpen pitches more than ever and starters are not going as deep as they ever have, it's teams are going to want that. Teams are absolutely going to want that. Someone blows you away with an offer with some young prospects you could build for the future. Maybe you make that trade and you say, you know what, we're going to make this trade and we're going to rely on another one of our relievers to close because the bullpen has had a lot of good performances in it. And we trust say an Andrew Chafin or a Ryan DePera, or if he comes back at Justin Steele, to maybe take some of those duties or a hybrid of it where you get something in return for an expiring contract while not necessarily tearing it down and not necessarily buying like crazy and still giving yourself quote unquote a chance to move forward. But how far can you really go with that? Can you really sell and stand pat much at the same time? That would be pretty difficult to do. But listen, if you fall way behind here, I think you got to get ready for selling. Even if the division is still technically winnable. You got to do something. It may not be the easiest thing. And it might be harder than ever to sell and tank now. Because everything's coming back. The revenue's coming back. The people are coming back to the ballpark. And Tom Ricketts might be thinking, well, you know, uh, now that we're... uh, kind of in it, that we're kind of in the race, uh, we want to make sure we capitalize on much revenue as possible. So if we sell, you know, because if you sell and you give up, fans might, might not be nearly as enticed to go to the games. I do believe that it is a very split opinion of the fan base that 
Some will say, I'm here for a rebuild. We've seen rebuilds work. Let's just rebuild. And others saying, I don't want to go through another rebuild again. I don't want to go through that. I may have supported the plan with Theo because it was a well-laid-out, well-thought-out plan that he was very transparent about, and we saw the vision. But now it's like, well, we feel like we're rebuilding because ownership refused to shell out the money to keep the window open. And then they won't be as willing to buy tickets to the games, watch the marquee network, or give as much revenue to the Cubs. The Cubs are in one of the worst possible positions right now. They're a team that has, I think, surprised many, but is still not good enough to contend in a year where you have to make the biggest decisions of all. If your core was under contract and you were in this scenario, you would still be buying. I I don't see any, unless you fell way back behind. You're either buying or you're saying, you know what, we'll sell off a few things and build around the core and retool next year. But you're not going to have a, potentially have a core to retool around next year if they're not under contract. I still believe Rizzo is going to be back next year, but Bryant and Baez, I'm not so sure. Do we keep Baez? Are we done with him? He can still hit the ball a long way. He could still make some nice plays. But the strikeouts this year are ridiculous. He's not hitting well right now. Are we kind of ready to move on with that? This can get ugly. This can get very, very ugly before it gets better. I am particularly not looking forward to this series in Milwaukee. It could be the dagger in the season. And I know it sounds very defeatist, very Debbie Downer, to say that a series before the 4th of July could be a season ender. But it's just because of the scenario we're in, knowing we have to make a decision by the trade deadline, which is only a month away. And keep in mind, during the All-Star break, it's the break. There is no games happening for a chunk of that time. So there's less games to make up ground before the trade deadline if you really do dig yourself a hole. So that is the concern. And I'm not sure that this Cubs team is good enough to stay afloat. They played great for a stretch of time. They got a little lucky during that stretch of time. We knew the pitching wasn't going to hold up over that stretch of time. As good as the bullpen has been, they have had to work so hard. Do we really not think that bullpen isn't going to burn itself out by August the way it's being used? I could sure see it. I really could. This time next week, we'll either be talking about the Cubs still hanging in a race or potentially looking at some selling scenarios. Because I could see either or. And I just don't like the way this is trending. Because this month, the offense has been bad again. A lot of strikeouts, little contact, a lot of slumps, a lot of low batting averages, even though I know batting average isn't all that important these days, yada, yada, yada. But they ain't hitting enough, they ain't scoring enough. They had one nice outbreak game against the Cleveland Indians. Of course, it was the game after the one I was at. And, you know, you no-hit the Dodgers and won 4 to nothing. Outside that, these past few weeks have not been very spectacular. The weekend before, we got clobbered by the Marlins. You know, the last few weeks has basically been avoiding sweeps. And you don't like seeing that. Um, You know, I just think it's regressing to the mean. I can't say it hasn't been fun watching the Cubs when they were good this year, but, you know, it could have had us fooled a little bit. I hate to say it. Could have had us a little bit fooled. (sighs) What's frustrating is that we're in a position that could have been avoided. We could have locked up this core, or at least one or two of them. And maybe, just maybe, things wouldn't be so dire. Hey, 
Baez just hit a solo home run. Going to get hot or upping trade value? We'll see, I guess. Only 6-1 to one now. Only need five more to tie. Baez, as much as he is swinging and missing and looking like a fool, he's got 18 home runs. And hey, we might see a number of Cubs at the All-Star game. We'll probably see Chris Bryant. Probably have Craig Kimbrell on the team. There's a chance for maybe Willie, Rizzo, Baez, even though I'm not sure they all deserve it. But right now, the last thing I'm worried about is the All-Star game. <laughs> if, if, I, if I log off this, finish this show, and the Cubs somehow come back and win and eat my words next, next week and everything's fine, I will gladly do so. I will gladly, gladly do so. I just, ugh, I have that yucky feeling, especially coming up in this Brewers series. They have not played well against them. They have their best arms going, and they're not hitting very well. Please let me be wrong. Please, please, please. Because I was, I've been in all favor of just selling and rebuilding, but at the same time, if they have a chance to do something and make baseball interesting for me this year, just do it. Just do it. Because the Cubs entered this season with the mentality that they were probably going to be selling and looking to the future. I mean, that's why they traded Darvish to relieve salary cap. If you want to call it salary cap, even though there is no salary cap in baseball. But this is what they were prepared for initially. They were prepared for profits not to come back quite as much and prepared to look at the future with this being the last year of the contracts of Rizzo, Bryant, and Baez, your three main core guys outside Wilson Contreras, who has one more year after this. We'll see what happens, man. We'll just see what happens. When you're listening to this, you might be listening and the Cubs made a great comeback against L.A. and are beating the Brewers. Or you're listening to this and the Cubs did indeed lose to L.A. and they're losing to the Brewers and they are falling more and more behind first place in the NL Central. You never know. When you record and you export a show, you never know what could happen. So, prepared for both scenarios, I guess. Last thing I want to touch on really quick was just a little Bulls NBA stuff. We had the draft lottery drawing this past week, and Bulls fans were hoping that the Bulls would be able to pull some magic out and get a top four pick and be able to keep their draft pick uh, that they had traded uh, away conditionally to the Orlando Magic. That is not the case. Uh, the Bulls got the eighth spot in the first round, so that pick is going to go to the Orlando Magic because uh, that was all part of the Vukovic trade. So that did not happen, unfortunately. So Orlando will have the number five pick and the number eighth pick in this year's 2021 NBA draft. So no magic there. It's going to be time for AK to go out and make some magic happen with free agency, a trade or two, and other ways that does not involve drafting in the first round. I wasn't really expecting to get really lucky. I was hoping for it, but wasn't expecting it. The odds were pretty slim. So, oh well. I don't really have much to say about that. I just kind of wanted to bring it up. I'm still in trust the process mode with AK and his regime. If you ask me what the Bulls should do, who's available in the second round and what's out there to sign, trade, whatever, right now, I couldn't tell you very much. I have to do a lot more research on the draft itself. I have to do more research on which free agents are available and who might be up for the trade block. But, you know, I'm just I'm sitting back saying, you know what? AK has built really dang good teams before with talent evaluation and scouting. So you hope that he can pull something out of his hat that might not be particularly fancy, but still effective. Nobody saw the Vucevic trade coming. He hides his cards pretty well. And also, it is worth noting that a lot is happening right now around in their own division, in the Bulls' own division. You have the Bucks in the conference finals. You have the Pistons getting the first overall pick. They won the lottery this year. So they will have that first overall pick in this upcoming draft. Which, hey, you know what? Good for them. They'll be able to build something nice around whoever they draft in the first. I Again, I have to do my research on the draft this year. But 
having the first pick is never really a bad thing, especially for a team that's been rebuilding and looking for a new future. Um, And then you have the Pacers making a pretty big hire at coach, bringing in Rick Carlisle on, I believe, a four-year deal. Um, Let's see. Yeah, four-year, $29 million contract. So he was their coach before, 03 to 07. I think that's a pretty big hire for them. Uh, So things are happening around the Bulls. Now you just hope the Bulls can make some things happen. I'm sure we'll have some of our basketball buddies on later in the year to talk about what the Bulls are going to do this offseason because the guys we bring on are some of the best basketball guys around, and I say that very unbiasedly. So we're going to definitely have those guys on in the near future to talk about what the Bulls can do. With that all said, that is going to do it for this episode of Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to make sure everybody hits subscribe if they have not already. Check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, or YouTube. Go to SwirskySports.com. You could also check out my work at AlexPatSportsChat.wordpress.com. You could also check out my Instagram, at ShyFanPat, my YouTube channel, AlexPat, for more just random sports stuff. Until next time, thank you all so much again for listening, and bear down. Cubs win! What a lucky break! The good Lord wants the Cubs to win! We thank Dick and God for all they have provided. Cubs win! Cubs win! Cubs win! Oh, I don't want her, you can have her, she's a Packer fan. She can't fit in my van, and she looks like... Remember, New Yorkers, smoking crack is not legal on the plains. Bears, 31, the negative 7. The Bears! Oh, when the Bears go bearing down...